Please take your copy of God's Word and turn with me to the book of Jonah, the Old Testament book of Jonah. Now, I'm not going to ask you to go ahead and stand now. I'm going to give you just a few moments to find the book of Jonah. Uh, It's in the Old Testament. If you have a Bible like mine, it's on page 774. If your Bible is not like mine, I don't know what page to tell you to turn to, but it is there in the Old Testament, right smack dab in the middle of the minor prophets, the smaller prophets. You know, as we begin uh, this year of evangelism, 2016, we uh, have intentionally been speaking on uh, passages of Scripture that, that deal with evangelism, deal with us sharing our faith, what you just experienced, the baptisms, uh, the changed life, uh, that's what we're all about. Our church exists to see people's lives change. We do whatever it takes for people to experience life change. That's our heartbeat, that's what we're about, that's what we're for. And so that's, that is the, the essence of, of what we're wanting to communicate uh, through the sermon series this year. One of my heartbeats is that every year I, I preach through an Old Testament book and I also want to preach through a New Testament book. And so the year of evangelism, as I was praying about uh, earlier or late last year about the sermon series planned for this year, God led me to speak through the book of Jonah. And of course, this book is a primary book for when we're talking about evangelism and sharing our faith with people who uh, have never heard of the gospel of God. And so this is a very good book. And uh, we'll be going four weeks uh, in this book. Uh, it's going to be a stretch. I, my goal, I, I told the first service, my goal this week was to get through uh, Jonah chapter 1. We're not going to get through the first two verses today. And so uh, that's how much is, is, is this, this book is full. And so we're, we have four weeks to get through, but we'll get through the first two verses of chapter one today. But I promise that we will catch back up. And uh, then we'll go through, for the Easter series, we're going to do a series entitled Paint the Town. And we'll be using the wordless book. If, if you know what the wordless book is, uh, that's great. We're going to be walking through the colors of the wordless book. If you don't know what the wordless book is, I want you to come back and, and be a part and learn what the wordless book is. It's a very good tool to be able to, you, you can use to share your faith. And then on the hills of that series, we'll go six weeks through that, we'll be in the book of Romans. And Romans will take us really from uh, right before summer and take us through the rest of the year. And so we'll be in the book of Romans going verse by verse through the book of Romans for the remainder of 2016. Hopefully you have now found the book of Jonah. Uh, Jonah is set in, in Old Testament time and he was told to go to the port of Jaffa. I wanna give a shameless plug right now for Israel. If you've not yet signed up to go on our Israel trip, June the 1st through the 10th, I've got some information here on the front pew. You can come pick it up at the end of the service. Uh, I hope, I believe, my, my personal belief is that every Christian should go to the Holy Land at least once uh, in your lifetime. And this is a perfect opportunity to go. When we go, we will be in Tel Aviv, and just south of Tel Aviv, there's nothing biblical about the city, the present-day city of Tel Aviv. But on the very bottom of Tel Aviv, on the very south part of the city, uh, there is what's known as the Port of Jaffa, or Joppa. And the Port of Joppa in the Bible is really understood in the Old Testament specifically. Peter, uh, you know, had, had, had dealings there in the Port of Joppa. But in the Old Testament, there's two primary things that we see happen in the Port of Jaffa or Joppa, however you want to pronounce it. Joppa or Joppa. Two primary things. Number one uh, is the place where the cedars came when Solomon was building the temple. The cedars that came from Lebanon came through the Port of Joppa. But it's also the same port that God used to bring tools that were going to be used to build his house. It's also at this same port that this man of God by the name of Noah, or Jonah uh, decided he was going to go against the will of God. 
So it's amazing to me to think about the two primary purposes of this port in the Old Testament. One was for the purposes of building the kingdom. The other was for the purposes of running away from God. And I believe that we all have that ability today. We can either choose to build the house of God or we can run away from his calling. And so as we come now to the book of Jonah, please stand in the honor of reading God's word. Jonah chapter 1. We'll only read uh, the first three verses uh, of Jonah chapter 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up against me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa, or Jaffa, and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. Father, as we open this word and we begin to speak from this wonderful book, Father, I pray that over the next several weeks that we're, we're, we're looking at this wonderful prophet, Father, I pray that our hearts will be attuned to what you would have to say to us today. We ask this in the precious and holy name of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen and amen. Please uh, be seated. This chapter, Jonah chapter 1, there's, there's really five things that we see in Jonah chapter 1, but we're only going to get to one of them today. The other four, you're going to have to come back next week to get the other four points of, of this message. Jonah chapter 1 uh, deals with, number one, the first thing we see is that God's word will promote responsibility over reason. This is what we see over and over and over, and this is what we'll see over and over and over again here this morning. God's word will promote responsibility over reason. What I mean by that is that God's word requires a measure of faith. Now, the Bible is a logical book. We, we saw this last week, right, from the book of Leviticus. The medical science has just now caught up with what the word of God has said for thousands of years, that life is in the blood. But the book of Leviticus has told us, it's logical, right, that life is in the blood. But medical science has just now caught up with the fact that what the Bible said so many years ago was actually true. The Bible is a logical book, but it's not meant to receive by logic alone. This is a book of faith. We are to receive it by faith. We are to speak it in faith. God was very clear in his word for what Jonah was supposed to do. I mean, he, he said, look at it, verse 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. He said, arise and go to Nineveh. There is no possible way that Jonah could have been sitting there in Israel. God opens up the heavens, speaks to Jonah, and says, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. And Jonah said, God, did you say go to Tarshish? They don't even sound the same. They don't even have the same number of syllables. There is no possible way that Jonah could have mistaken the word of God. God was very clear. He said, I want you to go to Nineveh. But the prophet didn't want to receive it. He didn't want to be responsible for the word of God that came over his life. God's word will always point you in the right direction. But you must receive it and you must apply it. There must be a measure of faith. There must be a measure of faith when we come to God's word and the things of the faith. At times, his word is very clear. At other times, you may be feeling like you're in a fog and you don't understand his word. And, and, and know this, that no matter where you find yourself in life, God's word is always true. Your positions may change, your circumstances may change, but his word is always clear. A child once asked his father, he said, Daddy... How are people born? <laughs> For the dads in this room, you know, that's a loaded question. How are children born? And the dad chose to go the biblical route. He said, well, son, 
Adam and Eve had babies. Those babies grew up to old people, and they had babies, and those babies grew up to old people, and that's how babies are born. The boy wasn't satisfied with that answer. He went to his mama. He said, Mama, how are babies born? Now, where the daddy was taking a biblical uh, bent towards this answer, the mama was taking a, a, a scientific approach. She said, well, son, we are all from monkeys. We evolved, or they evolved, and here we are now. Now the child's confused. The child runs back to his daddy and said, daddy, you lied to me. Mama said we came from monkeys, and the dad turned around and says, no, son. Your mom was simply talking about her side of the family. <laughs> Some of you will get that one later, but God's word does not say one thing in one place and another thing in another place. God's word is very clear. When he spoke to Jonah, he made it very clear, Jonah, you are to go to Nineveh. No, no, no question about it. You, you are to go to Nineveh. It may not make logical sense. It didn't make logical sense for this prophet of God to go to Nineveh, a place that was the capital of Assyria, the, the place that were Gentile dogs, and the Assyrians were at that time of Jonah. The Assyrians would come in and attack Israel and, 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 and kill everybody that they saw. They, they were nasty people. It does not make logical sense for God to tell his prophet to go into Nineveh. But that's what God said. It may not make logical sense, but God's word does not have to make logical sense. God's word promotes responsibility over reason. Are you catching on? God's word calls us to obey his word, not to reason through his word. This is a book of faith. This life that we live is a life of faith. It may not make logical sense. What, what in the Bible makes logical sense when you stop and think about it? Yes, the book is a logical book, and I can make a logical argument of, of, of the crucifixion of Christ, and many people can do that. Great apologetics are built off of, off of logic, straight from God's word. But is it logical for a man to be swallowed by a fish and live? Is it logical for people to be born blind to receive the miracle of sight? It doesn't seem logical that a man can be placed in a pit full of hungry lions and not be eaten. It doesn't make a lot of logical sense for a man to be thrown into a furnace that was full of fire and not to be burned. It's not logical for someone to physically die and come back to life. Again, while the Bible makes great logic, this is a book of faith. It's a book that speaks to the natural. It's the book that speaks to creation and, and how God did this. But it goes past the logic. It goes past the natural. And it pushes us into the supernatural. It causes us to receive things by faith. We should not be satisfied with simply logic. But we embrace by faith. That's the beauty of God's word, is it not? That God will do what man says is impossible. That God will take what, what science says, this is not possible for this to happen, but God does it. Is that not the beauty of faith? There's so much more to our faith. There's more than what we can see with our physical eyes that, than what we can measure. God's word is clear. It's always a bright, shining light. You may not understand his word. You may not even like what his word has to say sometimes, especially when you're living in sin. 
You may be going through a torrential downpour in your own life and, and in your own family. Maybe a, a, a storm has set over your marriage or over your children, over your emotions, and, and your, your sanity is even feeling lost. You feel dazed. You feel confused. I was speaking with a young man this past week, and he said, Pastor, I don't even know where to turn. I, I feel like I'm lost. I feel like I've lost everything. I, I don't feel like God hears my prayers. When you're there, friend, listen, God's word is still true. His word is still clear. You may not understand it. You, you, you may go to God's word and you say, I, I, I don't understand it. You may go to prayer and you say, I, I, I don't feel like he's hearing me. But understand this simple truth. God's word promotes responsibility over reason. And we could even say even over feelings. You may not feel like it. You may not feel as if your prayers are reaching God, but God's word tells us that when we pray, God hears our prayers. Turn to his word if you're a Christian. Turn to his word and he will speak to you. He will speak truth and hope and peace into your life. Now some of you are sitting here saying, typical preacher. He says, here's all these problems and he gives me this Sunday school answer, just turn to the word. You know what a Sunday school answer is, right? That whenever you're asked a biblical question, the answer is always either Jesus or God or the Bible, right? And you say, well, it's, that's too easy. That's too easy. Well, friend, that's the answer. That is the real answer. When, when you are facing storms of life, when you, when, when you receive the word of God, even you may not understand the word of God as Jonah is receiving the word. Look at the first uh, five words of, of Jonah 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah. The word of the Lord. The word of the Lord came. We don't need the word the way Jonah needed the word. We've got the word right here. If you're wanting to know what direction and what God's will and what God's purpose and what God's plan is for your life, you look no further than his word right here. The word of the Lord has come. And it's very clear. His word and his will are clear. It's true. You know, you may, God's word's true if you're walking through a divorce. God's word is true if you win $10 million. And by the way, if you win $10 million, God's word is true in the book of Malachi, which says you're supposed to tithe on that $10 million. <laughs> in the high points and the low points, God's word is true. God's will is clear. God's word is clear. Our circumstances, listen to this, our circumstances do not change the truthfulness of God's word. Did you hear that? Your circumstances do not change the truthfulness of this word. Have you ever driven through fog at night? I, I'm here to tell you, if you're not from Florida, you probably had a rude awakening as, as I did when you came to Florida. Fog here is just, it, it's ridiculous. I mean, you can have fog in the middle of the day here in Florida. I, I've never seen anything like it. Fog so thick that you could be driving through, uh, driving down the highway and it's just all clear. And then all of a sudden, boom, there's fog. Now, when you drive through fog at night, that's hard, isn't it? When, when you have your headlights on, what happens? Those headlights, that, those headlights bounce off that fog and come right back into your eyes and they blind you, right? You may even be tempted to take those headlights and turn those headlights off, but let me tell you, that's not the way to go. <laughs> Especially if you're on a two-way highway. People can't see you. And you're not going to be able to see anything either. 
there are times in life that we walk through fog. Life events, circumstances happen. Sometimes things that, that we commit, it's our own fault for why we're in this circumstances, why we're in this fog. Sometimes the fog just sets in, something that we didn't even do. You may be tempted to turn from the light, his word. You may be tempted because it, it doesn't make sense and you can't see where you're going and it's very scary. You may be tempted to just turn off the light of his word and close his word and turn away from his word. But can I tell you, that's the worst thing possible for you to do. You will have a head-on collision if you do that. I understand that, 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 that there are certain times in life that, that are much darker. There, there are certain things in life that happen and, and they're very difficult. You know, when we go to Israel, again, another shameless plug for those of us who are going to be going, we've extended it, uh, your, your sign-up period to the end of this month, and you can get uh, the brochures right here in the front pew. When we go, we'll go to the Dead Sea, and when we're at the Dead Sea, we'll skip right over to the place of Qumran. And when we're at Qumran, I have a short teaching that I give you at Qumran, because you see, Qumran is where the little Arab boy found the scrolls of Isaiah. You will see the actual scroll that dates to the before the time of Christ, the oldest book of the Bible that we have in existence today. Your eyes will look upon that scroll. It's the whole scroll of Isaiah. And when we're standing there, I, I read uh, this passage from Isaiah chapter 40, which also, by the way, Peter quotes in 1 Peter chapter 1. It says, the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord remains forever. I don't care what you're going through. I don't care how foggy it may get. I don't care how dark your life may get. Understand that the word of God is true and you're to follow it. I wish that Jonah understood that. I'm sure that Jonah, when he gets into chapter two and he's in the belly of that fish, I'm sure he wished that he would have followed the word of God, right? When you, when you turn off the word of God, you are on way to destruction, even when you're walking through life and it doesn't make sense, follow the word of God. His word remains forever. God's word is true. It brings clarity. God told Jonah, the word of the Lord came to Jonah and said, go to Nineveh. And of course, Jonah didn't want to go, right? Now, there's many reasons why Jonah probably did not want to go to Nineveh. But my guess is the, the biggest reason is that Nineveh was the capital city of Assyria. As we've already said, Assyria was one of the biggest enemies of Israel in this time. Jonah did not want to go to God because he knew that God would extend grace. I heard someone the other day, I was doing research and studying for the message today, the lesson today, and I, I heard someone, uh, they, they, they used this, and they said, well, you see, this is, this is a liberal point of view, by the way. They said, you see, this, this shows why God should not have told Jonah to go to Nineveh. God knew that Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh, so God should never have told him to do that. What? Seriously, people. Seriously. We're going to make the argument that just because Jonah didn't want to do something, that God should have not told Jonah to do it. Really? Now, before we laugh too hard, this is exactly how a lot of us Christians think. <laughs> Understand that there are seasons of life that can be very difficult. There are situations in life that are hard to swallow. They thwart our plans. We, we all have plans set in motion that, that we expect to happen. It, and, and, and when those plans don't happen, we say it wasn't supposed to happen that way. And we get to the point in our faith journey that, that we, we, we fall on our face screaming out to God for mercy. Remember playing mercy as a kid? 
You, you grab the hands of, of, of your friends and, and you, twer, you, you turn and you, 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 you push and you pull until somebody says what? Mercy. Uncle. <laughs> Stop. There are times in life where, where you're going to have the weight, it's going to feel the weight of the world and, and you're going to feel so, so confined and so hurt and so in pain that you're going to say, mercy. And listen, that's okay. We've all been there. I've been there recently. But if your view of life is that God can never call you to do something that will stretch you, that will never get you outside of your comfort zone, then friend, you are naive and you've missed the whole point of the Christian life. God often calls us into the wilderness. He did this with Jesus, right? Do, do you think it was easy for Jesus to go into the wilderness, to, to be tempted by Satan? Do you think it was easy for Jesus to go into the Garden of Gethsemane knowing the pain and the hurt that he's going to face? Do you think it was easy? No. But you see, it's in life's points that we are stretched that we grow. Your faith cannot grow unless your faith is stretched. And as God allows your life to be stretched, your faith will grow. In the valleys, his word is true. On the mountains, his word is true. His word is clear, but he requires faith to see. Notice what Jonah says. Arise, go to Nineveh. Then what's the next three words? The great city. Now, what's the point of the great city? What's he speaking of here? When he speaks of the greatness of Nineveh, He's not speaking of the greatness of Nineveh and the fact that, that, that Nineveh was a, a city that was great in the eyes of the Lord. It, it wasn't. If you look over in Jonah chapter 3, verse 3, you see why Nineveh was called great. Uh, he says in, in Jonah 3, 3, So Jonah rose, went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Uh, finally he got it. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city. Why? Because it was a three days journey in breadth. It was a massive city. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people there. But oh, listen, they didn't serve God. In fact, they didn't serve just one God. They had many gods. They, they were not monotheistic, meaning they didn't have just one God. They were polytheistic. They had, they had multiple gods. They had many gods. And this is one of the answers why Jonah was listened to by the people of Nineveh when he came. You'll have to come back in two weeks to hear that message. When, when Jonah was spit out of the mouth of the fish, there is... There is something screaming to us from history that tells us why Nineveh even listened to this man. And it's based off of their false interpretation of God. So the, the, the great city was built not upon uh, their accomplishments, but upon its size. So we've already said that, that God doesn't leave Jonah high and dry about where he's to go. We often think that God's will and God's word are mysterious. It's impossible to know God's word and God's will. We just came out of a series this past year, and, and, and I wrote the book, uh, What Will I Do? What Can I Do? And, and the, the whole point of that message series and that whole point of that book was to, for us to discover as we walk through Nehemiah uh, what it was and, and, and the reality that God wants you to discover his perfect plan for your life more than you even wanting to know what God's plan is for your life. God's desire is for you to know and to accomplish his will far more greater than you are concerned about finding and discovering that will. Nineveh was a great Gentile, massive Gentile city, full of people of many different gods. There's 
little doubt in Jonah's mind what God was calling him to do. But you see, this is the beauty of God's word and his will. He was very specific. He gave a specific plan for Jonah. He says it's a great city. Then what does God say in verse 2? Notice the last part of verse 2. He said, now go call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. Now, Jonah was tracking with God until that point. <laughs> got you, God. Got you, God. Nope, not doing that. He didn't want to receive that word of God. You see, he didn't want to take responsibility. What did we say at the very beginning? What's the point for today? God's word will promote, uh, God's word will promote responsibility over reason. He did not want to be responsible for the word that he received from God. You see, Jonah was a prophet of God. He's not found often in the Old Testament. Uh, one of the places he is found is in 2 Kings chapter 14. And when we look in 2 Kings chapter 14, we see Jonah is a prophet of God who made a prophecy that came to fruition. You see, that's the mark of a, a true prophet of God. If you want to make a mark, if this man is a true prophet, what he says, if it comes to pass, that shows that he was a true prophet. If it doesn't come to pass, then it shows that he's not a true prophet. Well, in 2 Kings chapter 14, we see that he made a prophecy and it came to fruition. So, so he was a prophet of God. He speaks the word of God. And more than likely, he amassed a great following because of, of his prophetic ability. Prophets also did something else. Not only were they the mouthpiece of God, but they were also kingmakers. Think about Samuel and Nathan, who anointed King Saul and King David to be kings. This is the role of the prophets. And so this is what Jonah was doing. Jonah was the mouthpiece of God. He, he probably had a, a, a good following of people that would listen to him preach. And also, he was a kingmaker. He was very happy with what he was doing. He liked his life the way he was. He was happy. He was content. But then when God spoke into Jonah's world and gave him a clear message, Jonah didn't want any part of it especially to go to Nineveh, the capital of Assyria. We've already established these people were murderers. They were Gentile dogs. Later in the book of Jonah, Jonah says, he cries out, and he's very honest with God. He says, I don't want to go to Nineveh because I know that you're going to save those people, and they're not worth saving. Can you imagine a prophet of God saying something like that? Literally uttering out of his mouth that there is a group of people not worth saving? Now, before we shake our head like this at Jonah, church, this is often what the problem is with the church of Jesus Christ today. Now, we would never say it this way, would we? We would never utter the way Jonah says it, that these people are beneath us, that these people don't deserve grace. We, we would never say that. We would never utter that. But oftentimes, our actions speak louder than words. Do we really care about the nearly 200,000 people that are lost within five miles of where you're sitting right now? Do we? We say we do. We say we do, but, but I, I want to believe that we do, but are our actions backing that up? What are we doing as a church to see this city saved? What are you doing as an individual to see this city saved? What are you doing individually to, to invest in the ministries of, of this church, even outside of Aloma, working diligently, praying diligently, going with a determination of a clear calling from God's word? Now, while God was very specific 
for Jonah what he was to do, it seemed illogical, right? Why would God, why would God take a, a Jewish prophet who is liked, who is doing a great job, why would God take a Jewish prophet, pick him up, and want to move him in the middle of Gentile dogs? Doesn't make sense. It's not logical. But you see, God is not asking Jonah's permission here. He's instructing the prophet. Understand that God's ways are higher than our ways. You may not understand why God calls us to do the things that we are called to do, but God's ways are higher than our ways. Stop trying to reason through it. God's word promotes responsibility over reason. Did you catch it? God's word promotes responsibility. It's not up to us to, to reason through his call or through his word. We must be responsible to do what he's called us to do. This is how God's word operates. This is how God operates in his word. When he calls men and he calls women into his service to attempt great things for him. Abraham, think about Abraham. Abraham was called by God to leave Ur of the Chaldees. And, and he was told by God and he said, walk wherever you want to walk and where your foot touches will be your prop, it's the promised land. God's word could not have been more clear to Abraham. The Lord said, Abraham, I will make you the father of many nations. Now that's not logical, is it? When you know the backstory, that's not logical. Here's Abraham, who was a really old man. And guys, he said something that we need to learn from. He looked at his wife and said, my wife's old too. Don't ever say that. But he looked at God. He said, I don't have a kid. And I'm old. And my wife's really old too. It's not logical. How am I going to be the father of many nations when I'm old? Moses. Moses could not have received a more clear call from God. Moses, I want you to go to Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go. God was very clear. What did Moses do? He did what we often do. We make excuses. Moses said, God, you got the wrong person. Actually, God said, no, I got the right person. Weren't you raised in Pharaoh's home? Isn't Pharaoh uh, just like your stepbrother? Aren't you a Jew? Aren't you a Hebrew? No, Moses, I've got the right person. God, now wait a minute. You're telling me to go speak to Pharaoh. Do you understand what the problem is? If you know the backstory, you know Moses had a problem. He had a speech impediment. He stuttered. Moses said, there's no way I can go and do this. There's no way. It required responsibility to fulfill. Not, not reason, responsibility. Moses, you don't have to reason through this. You just have to be responsible to what God's called you to do. What about Gideon? Gideon was in the basement of his house threshing wheat. You know what a threshing floor is? A threshing floor in Israel is, is when they put, they, they put a floor on top of a hill. They take the, the, the wheat or the barley and they throw it up in the air and they, they throw it up in the air and the chaff carries off and it hits the ground, it beats the chaff and it goes, the wind carries the bad stuff off and the good stuff falls to the ground. Well, here's Gideon in the basement of his house where there is no wind, right? threshing wheat on the threshing floor, this angel appears and says, oh, great man of valor. Gideon goes, who are you talking to? I mean, this is literally what he says. He says, I know you ain't talking to me. I am from the least of the tribe, and I am the least of the least of the tribe. Gideon says in our language, he, Gideon says, angel, you came to the wrong house. 
I'm a big fat loser. That's what he said. He was no man of valor. He was a coward. He was literally in the basement of his house wasting his time because you cannot thresh floor inside. It's not possible. You know, the call was very specific to Gideon. He said, Gideon, the angel said, Gideon, God has appointed unto you to deliver Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Responsibility to God's call over reason. Here's one thing that I do know for certain. God's will will happen whether you want it to or not. God's will will happen whether you want it to or not. One of two things is going to happen. If you refuse to do God's will, one of two things is going to happen. If you reject God's will, one of two things is going to happen. Number one, you're going to fall into a camp like Jonah, where God will bring you kicking and screaming into his will. That's happened to me numerous times. More times than I want to admit. No, God, I don't want to do that. And then he just puts a storm in my life and he brings me and I do it anyway. The other thing that can happen is that he can completely remove his hand of blessing off of your life as he did with King Saul. This is scary, church. This is the scary one. You see, I've seen churches throughout our nation and throughout the world that have been given every opportunity to, to do what God has called them to do. And they sat back, they sat back, they sat back, they sat back. They did not believe by faith. They didn't step out in faith. And God ultimately took his hand off of that congregation. That congregation died. And he went and he, he put his hands on another congregation, another group of people, and said, okay, if you're not going to do it, then I'm going to take myself and I'm going to go over here to people who will do it. May that never happen here at Aloma Church. May we be people who follow after his will and do what God has called us to do. Now, it may not make logical sense. You say, how in the world are we going to reach 250,000 people? How are we going to reach this city? It makes no logical sense how we're going to reach this city with the name of Christ. 250,000 people within five miles of our church. Listen, there is no question it's our responsibility to deliver the gospel of Jesus Christ to them. You may not want to, but he's told us to go. Who's going to do it? It doesn't make logical sense how, how we're going to be able to come up with enough money to build a, a, a new children's building. But when I look at the growth of our church and our children's ministry, and I look at our, the growth of our church in general, I see that our ability to be effective reaching the young families will soon hit a wall. We're limited now, but if our growth rate continues, we will be very limited. Of the 250,000 people that live within five miles of our congregation, 60% of them are under the age of 40. It is our responsibility to reach them with the message of the gospel. God's word and God's will is to call us to responsibility, not reason. It's not for us to make logical sense of something that we are to accomplish by faith. His call and his will seem impossible to accomplish. But you see, friend, that's the whole point. When, when what he calls us and tells us to do, when we say that's impossible, now we're in the realm of faith. Now we're in the realm of faith. Now we're going to see God move. It's not humanly possible for old man Abraham and old woman Sarah to have children. 
It's not humanly possible for stuttering Moses to be persuasive in speech. It's not possible for big fat loser Gideon to, to measure enough strength to go and stand in front of all of those strong Midianites. It's not possible for one man by the name of Jonah to see a whole city the size of Nineveh saved. It's not possible for Loma to, to, to be the kind of church to raise this kind of money for a children's building. It's not possible for our church to, to reach Orlando with the city of gospel in and of ourself. That's impossible. But friend, with God, all things are possible. 